0: back man took a couple weeks off because it was my birthday a couple weeks ago and as y'all can imagine i own a food cart so i had to work but yeah now we're back and this week i have my home girl faith from woke pdx she is the creator and founder of this organization that focuses on addressing social issues by hosting events and having people come into these events and speak on their experiences with these issues. We actually met a little over a year ago and she invited us to be a food vendor for their event on Classism. She also asked if I could give a little speech on my experience with Classism, being that I own a food cart and that I'm also a Vietnamese business owner. So I said a couple things on the topic. I really liked the event, I really like what they do And I really enjoy having Faith as a friend. Uh, Even after, you know, it's been like a little over a year since we've met, she still comes by and supports the cart, you know, and we appreciate her for that. Our conversation for this episode was really fucking dope. We talked about mental health, talked about music, talked about social issues. I even asked her some things about what I could do on my end as an Asian American to help with this Black Lives Matter cause, so... A lot of fucking gems in this one, man, so definitely take some notes and really listen in on what she has to say. So, without further ado, give it up for my homegirl, Faith J. Wilson. All right, y'all, we here with my homegirl, Faith. What's up, Faith?
1: What up? What up, what
0: up, what up, what up? man? How's it going?
1: Just hanging on this Sunday trying to survive.
0: <laughs> Straight up. So um, let's give a little context to the listeners about uh, who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. Um, so currently, I um, founded an organization called Woke PDX a couple of years ago, um, it's basically a social justice initiative that we try to involve the community in by having uh, intimate conversations with people, you know, of the opposite race and opposite culture, to shed light into, you know, not necessarily what it's like to be a certain race, but what that race goes through and what they, um, you know, the struggles that they faced over the years and stereotypes and discrimination and um, misconceptions about them and community. Um, so I've had that organization, like I said, for about two and a half years. Um, we've had about four events since then. Our latest one was supposed to be in March, um, and it was gonna be Woke Hair, but that event obviously was canceled due to the pandemic. Um, So right now we're doing as much as we can via social media, uh, joining with other local organizations to help bring awareness and justice to um, Black people and what's currently going on in the world.
0: Damn, that's what's up. Yeah, actually um, what you do for just as a as a whole uh-huh. I, I feel like is it's been like an ongoing battle for so long but yeah. because you're doing it in a especially in a city like this yo where it's like i mean let's be real you know it's like re- it's a really white city you know so you're you're empowering those who don't feel like they have a voice you know and you give them uh, strength which i think is sometimes especially as like as like marginalized communities we
2: yeah.
0: don't feel that sometimes you know like we feel so Impacted And so deep down that sometimes it's just easier just to look away, you know?
1: Right. Right. And what's interesting is I I moved here from L.A. four years ago. And I think if I was still living in L.A., I would have never started woke because in my eyes and the communities that I grew up in, which were very diverse, I didn't see a need for woke at the time. So it was a blessing moving to Portland and experiencing, you know, actually living here. I've been visiting for close to 15 years, but actually living here the day to day and getting into a routine and noticing people and different things that are said and goes on. That was what really birthed Woke. Um, so if it wasn't for Portland, there would be no Woke PDX.
0: Yeah, that's, that's deep. You know, like, uh, I was just thinking, like, as you were saying that, I was thinking about like my own brand, like Mata, you know? Because from from where I'm from, San Jose, like we're both in Cali, you know, so it's like yeah. already in Cali is like a huge diversity in that state, especially mm-hmm. if, you're in, if you're in the bigger cities. And specifically in San Jose, it's like the largest Vietnamese community outside of Vietnam, you know?
2: Right.
3: So
0: if I was to open Mata in San Jose, I just don't feel like it had the same impact, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like what you do is, is just, it's so, um, it's so inspiring you know like to to just feel feel a sense of like urgency within a city like Portland and feel yeah. that you have the capability you have the strength you have the motivation to start a project like this you right know? right um, Can it's you tell fun. me some like some like pivotal moments for when you first started woke
1: yeah um I think initially I wanted woke to be. Uh, like a fun party type atmosphere because i love to have fun of course i love to meet people and i love to build relationships so at first i was thinking okay let's have people come together have conversations and afterwards let's you know let's throw a party and shortly after that once i organized a team of people to help me you know we all talked and we sat about it. we talked about it we said yo like this can't be you know a party type theme this is serious conversations we have to have So we all agreed. And I think the first moment when I said, wow, this is really going to move, our first event sold out with over 120 um, RSVPs. And I was not expecting that at all. Just, you know, a small dream that I had that turned into something so major. And the response from the community was so overwhelming. That was a moment where I said, wow, like this, where, like, we're really making a difference and this has the potential to be something a lot bigger than what I thought it could be. So definitely just our first event selling out with so many people and the love and support that we got from the, you know, community that was really pivotal for us all.
0: Damn that's so sick. Uh, yeah. what was the name of the first event, do you remember?
1: It was um we what there wasn't really a name. We we, we titled our events with the topics that we're discussing. Mm -hmm. So um, we talked about privilege, what is privilege and what are common misconceptions about community. And when we talk about privilege, so we can include everyone and be inclusive, we try to stay away from just uh, the color of skin privilege. We try to talk about other characteristics about yourself and what people can get away with based on, you know, how tall they are or, you know, athletes versus non-athletes, things like that. So we had very eye-opening conversations about you know, stereotypes and misconceptions about community, but the main target was talking about privilege and that that went over pretty well. And then from there, we just developed topics around current events or issues that communities have faced for a very long time, but haven't had conversations about
0: it. That, like, that's, that's something that I feel isn't really happening a lot in right. general, these days is that having an open dialogue about something like privilege. You know, right. like as an Asian American, I'm definitely uh, a privileged individual. Where it's like we've fallen into this model minority sense. You know, where it's like we're the we're the American citizens who just put our heads down and don't bother anybody. You know, and like kind of just like maneuver through this what you what you would consider an American lifestyle. Right. But then there's like Black Americans who Whose privileges are so far and few between? It's almost like to even say that I'm uh, as impacted as a black person is just like the worst thing I could probably say. just because already there within that conversation, it's like, like and that's what I like about what you do with woke is that you make people mm-hmm. speak about these privileges. You know, you make right. them speak about like, oh, like how do you how do you go through life living here in America? Right. And and then you have a conversation with someone else who is maybe more disenfranchised or more or maybe has more privileges, you know? And then you kind of see the, the nuances between that lifestyle.
1: Right. right, our events are all about putting you in someone else's shoes mm-hmm. and, and getting you to understand someone else's perspective outside of your own. And we've been fortunate to have, you know, people come to the events that have an open mind you know, that want to learn more. So we've we've created a space and atmosphere that we call a brave space for people to be able to say how they feel without fear of rejection um, or any type of um, repercussions or things like that because we want people to be able to come and talk about the education that they've received all of their lives that may not be as accurate as they think. Um, So definitely providing that space and allowing people to feel and to release things and to heal you know at the same time
0: mm-hmm. yeah ever, ever since um you invited us to that classism classism event yeah i was just like i was so blown away about the work that y'all do seriously it's like the amount of people that showed up to the classism event and then yeah. just the the response of the whole thing you know and then like even when you asked me to speak, I was like, damn, this is, this is like mad <laughs> nerve-wracking. <laughs> like,
1: that event was so dope. I look at those pictures often because you see the whole mood, the whole vibe of the event was just amazing. It was people from you know all walks of life. And if I'd never, um, shout out to olivia and twee because olivia is the one that put me on to you guys to much i hadn't heard of you guys before then and so i was like yeah we definitely need to check out Matza. and i think that's when you and i um and sophia met for the first time
3: mm-hmm.
1: and you know after having your food talking to you guys hearing your story i said yeah this is definitely you know who should be our food vendor for the next event and everything went over so well, the food was amazing. Um, the points that you touched on, when you talked about classism from opening your business in Vietnamese uh, food and that perspective, and like I said, people come with an open heart and an open mind, and they're very receptive to wanting to know more. Even us, like our team, we don't know everything about other cultures, so it's as much as an informative event for our guests as it is for us at the same time.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's such a vibe, you know, yeah. like it's uh, like I remember just being at the event and everybody just coming up to us and saying, thank it's you, cool. just, yeah. oh, man, it was just like it was just like where a kick it, you know, just yeah. that's really what it felt like, you know, like, even though you, you say that um, you don't necessarily want to have like a party kind of vibe going anymore. It still feels like a gathering. Right. Like, right. And it's uh, actually um, I met uh, Sid Walker at the at your yeah
2: event. yeah
0: sidewalk pdx sidewalk man shout out to sidewalk
2: Definitely.
0: also gotta give a shout out to twee and, and olivia for putting this like or for connecting connecting us you know yeah. i feel like um yeah especially living in the city like being able to connect to more pocs has been mm-hmm. one of the more uplifting things about living here you know like
2: right
0: it can be really polarizing just living especially inner city you know like right. where it's predominantly white and so to have connections to other POCs, especially ones who are making efforts to change their communities and, and make the city, like, you know, an even yep. better place than it already is, you know, it's like, it's, it's fucking, man, it's just so sick. Yeah,
1: I think <laughs> that was like the dream, because I was missing, at one point I was missing home so much, I wanted to create, like, my version of home here, in that constitutes so many people coming together and being able to hang out and talk. And it just be that. That's it. We eat, we talk, and then we go our separate ways. But it it just gives people an opportunity, just like you said, to feel a different vibe and go from there and take, you know, those conversations, take those experiences back to your communities, And it just keeps going on, you know, just like that. So I think the success of each event is word of mouth and people just telling their friends, their families, their coworkers, hey, I went to this event. If you're interested in this, you should check it out. So yeah, the Classism event definitely sparked um, interest for a lot of people. And which, uh, what number event was that for you now? like That was, at that that was number three, because we had um, What Is Privilege, that was the first one in November. And then in March, we had Colorism, uh, then June Classism, and then culture was in December. Culture is where we had uh, three keynote speakers to talk about culture from their perspective. So we had um, Dr. Andre Walcott um, from OHSU, Dr. Jackie Wurst from OHSU, and Dr. Mualana Karenga, uh, the creator of Kwanzaa to speak about culture.
0: Yeah. And man, it's just, it's so sick because then, that was only your third event but the way that you you ran it and the way that you guys put it all together even like the locations that you were finding stuff it's like it feels like y'all have been doing it for years you know (laughs) thank you you. that's what it feels like you know because i've been throwing events myself for for, since i was like 17 years old so to see the caliber that you were able to bring like if you hadn't told me that was the third the third event that you had done woke, i probably would have thought that was like in like the double digits here you (laughs) know what i mean like it was really well put thank together you know
1: yeah i thank you it takes so much work and we have to say thank you to all of our spaces we've had amazing spaces um cloudability in the pearl um, and swift swift definitely takes the cake if you've ever been there it's an open concept um the lighting and everything it just makes it a, a very inviting space um but we have so many meetings so many slack messages zoom calls phone calls, in-person meetings, myself and my team, because we really vet out everything, you know, that can possibly happen or different topics or where we want to go or how we want to lead and what atmosphere we're trying to create. So when you see the event on event day, like our wheels are turning every second until that event is over. Then we'll take maybe a week or two weeks off and then we'll start planning the next event in the next three months. So it literally takes three months or more to build each event, but I really appreciate um, I really appreciate that compliment because as calm as I may seem or as we may seem, we're thinking about so many things as everyone's there.
0: No, I I feel you. Throwing events is not easy, you know, like especially when there's so many moving pieces, right? Like you have yeah. you have to check in on guests, you have to check in on. Yeah. Um, Performers or people who are providing a service for you,
2: Everything. All,
0: all these little nuances that, like you know, for for someone who's just attending an event, like they just get to enjoy it, right? Right, but for, right. For the right. organizer, it's like it's like right. level five thousand, you know.
1: Like, yeah, and we want to be sure and make sure we're accommodating to everyone, so we have mm-hmm. to think of those things. We can't be blind to certain things just because, um, you know, we don't need those specific accommodations. So we have to be sure that, like I said, we're thinking about every possible. Outcome in making sure that we're you know adhering to that.
0: How many uh, folks are on your team?
1: Uh, there are seven.
0: Uh, seven. That's a good number.
1: yeah seven. And it is interesting because when I came, when I had the thought of woke, maybe in twenty seventeen, it was just like a thought, and so I kind of tucked it away and said, "Oh, that would be nice to do," but I never went anywhere with it. And like I said, I've been coming up here for so long. Um, My brother had a set of friends that became my friends and family. And then I met people once I started uh, working here and doing all those things. So a year and a half later, I had time to build a team by the people that I had come in contact with. So just one thing that I can say to that is never giving up on that thought or that dream that you have. Even if you just write it down somewhere and tuck it away, I still like thought about it each day and added tidbits, but I never, I never forgot about it. So when the time came to build a team, I had the very people, friends and family around me that I was able to add to that team because I knew they would be able to contribute something from their background or their profession um, or just their own perspective that I knew would be valuable
0: in creating WOKE. I find it interesting that like when you when you <clears throat> uh excuse me uh when you start a dream like that
2: mm-hmm. and
0: you have this um this vision already yeah it's really easy to filter out who isn't going to really help you build that vision yes right it's like you you've already set the the goal and right now it's like who's going to help me kind of reach this mountaintop you right. know and as opposed to like who's going to drag me down who's going to be a right. straggler it's like you you figure out like all these little facets that people are into and what they can offer you, and then you just fucking you convene together and create this amazing project you know it's like it's so uh it's so rare it's so rare to find that sometimes you know
1: it's very rare and what's even funnier is a lot of my team members I still didn't I still wasn't aware of all of their trades or all of their skills initially so we're two years into this and I'm still finding out that so many of them have so many other skills that you would never know. But, you know, the more we're together, I know who I can count on for this or I know who I can ask for this because that's their skill set. Like if I were to try to do this on my own, I'd be losing my mind because I'm not super tech savvy. You know, I don't know the latest, um, you know, how to do graphic design or uh, just running social media. That was a whole new thing for me. So it was, I was very, I was very just thoughtful in how I went about selecting who would be on the team and it it really it it worked out perfectly.
0: Yeah I I gotta say like your your team at Woke is really cool everyone's super chill too like they're you know once it's time to work they get to work but they're all so so warm you know it's like.
1: Right And, and normally after our events we love to go out and hang out together because if we weren't doing Woke, we would still be hanging out together. So it's the perfect mix because we can be serious. We can have fun. We can come together. We can support each other in different times. And I think that that gel and that positivity is what you need in order to continue to do this work. Um, because if you have someone that's trying to bring it down, that's, you
0: know, that's, that's a no, no. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. Damn, so what is, uh, what's Woke working on now these days?
1: So right now, uh, we were doing our best to work with a lot of organizations, partner with a lot of organizations that are uh, doing either peaceful protests or um, signing petitions to defund the police, attending different meetings, um, collaborating in any way that we can, just to get the message out. There's a lot of people in Portland right now that's doing a lot of great work. And I wanna be mindful that we aren't <clears throat> excuse me, repeating um, the same quests that are already being put forth. Um, Yeah, so that's what we're doing right now is trying to stay active on social media and still be engaging in posting relatable articles and facts and um, resources. Every Wednesday, we have a segment of what's called Woke Wednesdays, where we present a topic or maybe a current event that's going on. And that's one way that we stay connected because in the midst of uh, police brutality and racial injustice that we're facing, there's still a ton of other things that are happening that need light shed upon. So Woke Wednesday is definitely something that we're we're keep, uh, keeping up at the moment.
0: Yeah, the last Woke Wednesdays, actually the one I reached out to you most recently was about the mental health one.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Oh my definitely. God, that's that one's so huge. like. It's already it was already bad enough as it was like with uh, COVID and being forced into quarantine and shit and like trying to keep our mental sanity just yeah. being in the confines of our home and now adding in like BLM and all this shit happening now it's just like yeah. how do you not go to therapy after this, you know?
1: Right. It's definitely a ripple effect that I've had to navigate um, and find new ways to try to you know, like I said, stay positive. So COVID hit and it seems like, you know, the world just stopped and okay, you have to be locked in your house for the next three or four months. It was a shock to everybody, but I think people, you know, got used to it after a certain point and it wasn't so bad. And it's like, like you said, now we have to stay in the house and then deal with what we're seeing on TV, what we're seeing on the, in the media. Like, how do, you, how do you do that every day?
0: Yeah, how, like how can you unpack that, you know? Right,
1: and for me, Specifically, I'll just try to stay connected and stay grounded to, you know, friends and family, loved ones. I talk to my parents every day. I talk to friends at home every day. You know, I check on people and just check on our mental. And it's it's not even a matter of asking someone how they're doing every day because that question is so... That's not even a, a valid question to ask because we know that people, whether they admit it or not, are were suffering right now um so just leaning on each other the best way we can and trying to trying to get through
0: yeah oh man like i feel like that that question how are you doing is so it's so quick to just say oh i'm good you know right and like i mean like even even myself i have that habit of doing that you know it's like i don't really tell someone how I'm really doing but lately I feel like if someone asks me that it's probably better that I tell them how I really how I really feel you know because I mean I guess it's also dependent on the person you're talking to but for the most part (laughs) it's like you know you you should be willing to to express yourself I feel like even within just modern day society we're kind of taught to suppress emotions and and all this stuff so I feel like when we get asked the question like how are you doing so really, we should just be taking the question as like how are you really doing? you know right. like,
1: how are you really feeling like
0: like what's good? Are you straight? you know like right. what kind of issues are you dealing with right now? and I feel, I feel like we don't do that enough anymore. No. like we're, we're not really checking in right And we're kind of just like pushing through as if you know there's a and light like, at the end of the tunnel, but right now we don't really know if there's a light the, as, right. at the end you know it
1: seems like every day, every week there's something you know that adds on to 2020. You know, before before this year, every we, we were saying that you know this is the golden year, or this is the year for X, Y, Z, and I think it it can still be that year because it's definitely a year of change. You know, a lot of things that are happening should have happened years ago, and it's requiring that change. Um, but yeah, the last Walk Wednesday post was about uh, radical self-care, and just featuring uh, daily affirmations and how you take care of yourself and what type of um, um, tools are you using are you meditating are you doing yoga are you speaking to a therapist or you know how are you staying mentally grounded in in the work that you're doing no matter what you're doing Yeah. so raising awareness about mental health especially right now um, is important because everyone goes through it like if they whether they admit it or not
0: um i don't really know this from my own experience but do you find that in the black community there is a lack of awareness for mental health
1: um
0: i think so I, I
1: think it's it's not as much as people think so when i lived in la i worked um in administration at a mental health counseling center and it was it was predominantly black so all of our clients which we had maybe over four or five hundred clients and i would say 95 percent of those clients were African-American, um, so I did get to see that perspective, and, you know, Black people are seeking out counseling now more than ever. Um, I, I almost think, you know, we had a conversation, uh, the team and I did, it's almost taboo now, like, if you're not seeing, you know, a therapist, like, what? You're not going to therapy? Are you are not seeing a therapist? So I think people are talking about it more or normalizing it more. Um, it's not where it needs to be because there's still a lot of people that are suffering from it. But I think, I think there's being, there's more conversations that are being had about talking
0: to someone and and seeking help. I love that. I I think the more awareness we bring, I could say on my own end, like in the Asian American community, like especially because a lot of our parents are like first uh, generation (laughs) immigrants, you know, like they they come here just on survival instincts. So they're not really looking to To get help for anything, they just want to make it so that their kids can have a good life, you know.
1: Exactly, and that's it. And just push everything else to the side.
0: Yeah, and then uh, I've been talking about this a lot, especially with like close friends, is that like how that trauma essentially like it's hereditary, you know, like just the the idea that when you when you come from another country and into this country and then you are suppressed and then you are oppressed and all these things, that trauma then carries over to your kids right. whether you realize that or not you know right. so it's you keep
1: a, passing it down
0: exactly so like the fact that on all spectrums like mental health should be an everyday conversation right hopefully in the future you know for the next I don't know oncoming generations they have a better uh, sense of self-awareness and and knowing how to actually check in on themselves you know
1: right you know? I think that is the hope um, the generation under us the maybe 18 to 25 or 26, I definitely feel a difference with them. I don't think I was as mature as most 18 year and 19 year olds are now that are aware of their mental health and mental struggles and in the media. And again, social media magnifies so much now. And that's something we didn't really have at that age. So I think having access to resources whether it's in person on the phone online it makes it easier for people to to speak to a coach or to speak to a therapist to get what they need mm-hmm.
0: so um i want to ask you like what so you said that you are kind of learning all these new facets of like social media and stuff how has social media worked out for you uh, up to this point
1: Um, it's, it's been well, so yeah, navigating, using this time in, in running the, the woke PDX Instagram page, um, Olivia was our, she was our, um, she was our, I want to get the name right. She was our brand ambassador, Mm -hmm. um, for a long time. So she, she helped grow our page and she helped do a lot of things, um, that just kind of showed me the ropes. So, like like I said, I'm not the best at it, but I'm I'm running it as best as I can and just learning uh, different mechanisms to use. And it's it's an easy way to stay in contact with people since we can't physically be all in the same space. It's an easier way to meet people, get people connected to woke, learn about other organizations. Um, yeah, and go from there. We've 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 made great connections um, through social media during this time. Um, so hopefully, when when we're back to um, a place where you know we're out in public, but we're still physically distancing, we can still connect with those folks in person and make some things happen.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like social media is like a double edged sword, you know. Like for the networking side of it, it could be like yeah. really beautiful, you know. Like that's how yeah. we essentially met, right? It's like it's, yeah, it's-
2: depends on how you use it.
0: Yeah, it depends how you use it and like what you're using it for, you know? But right. I feel like the algorithms and shit, they kind of feed you whatever you're already into. And so, I, and I, I totally forgot about this. It's just like how the algorithms of how social media operates is like, whatever you're actually interested in is what it's going to constantly feed you. you know? Right, so right. Like, I guess in our realms where it's like, you know, you are a social justice group and you look for empowering things, like a lot of your feed will be uh, focused around that. And then like with mine, it's like, you know, it's either with like hip hop related things or right. food or whatever it is. And so kind of just like, that's where I have to kind of check myself and mm-hmm. my usage of it. Cause I feel like because I'm, uh, as a business, you know, like we we try to use this as much as we can to like right. keep awareness of our brand or whatever it is. But then you kind of fall into like this weird, like rabbit hole of just, you know, just constant uh, information, you know? So yeah,
1: like, yeah. And that, that's true with the algorithms. I have to be specific and, and target things to like on the feed so that, like you said, so that more information that pertains to what I'm looking for goes up. Because if not, it'll just be filled with, you know, just a bunch of nonsense that you're not really interested in.
0: Straight up. Yeah. Now
1: Yeah. that, And I don't know when Instagram did that or when that all changed, but I would like, I would love to, for that to go back to the way that it was
0: yeah it's just it's, it's just so crazy because then like um like i have like my own personal ig right and like mm-hmm. i kind of keep that focus more towards like my my personal life like my breaking and, right. and stuff that i'm into you know um but i follow like a couple of sj uh sjw accounts or just like social awareness accounts
2: mm-hmm. and like
0: sometimes i'll just get so lost in just watching videos of like abuse or of like just like racial encounters and whatever yeah. it is and it's just like you can't just help but get angry because you're watching right. it right? right but then you but like because there's such a, a large influx of like information and like like especially when blm kicked off and mm-hmm. and like this whole movement really sparked and really is starting to make a difference now but like because it was such a large influx all at once, like, my brain shut down, you know? It was just, right. like, it was just so heavy, especially because, like I said before, as an Asian American, I'm pretty privileged, you know? And so, like, to then realize, like, my own privilege and then come face-to-face with it because of what's happening. Like, man, I saw, I saw this one video, uh, uh it was an Asian couple sitting at a, at a park, uh, at a picnic table. Yeah. And then, um, a black dude and his girl sat down next at the other end of the table and then we're having lunch next to them and then the asian dude felt so uncomfortable that he decided to call the cops and
1: right i saw that
0: man oh i got to yeah. say i was i was so hot when i saw yeah. that because already it's like we as people of color we already know what it's like to feel oppressed and right,
1: then, we're having similar struggles
0: yeah and then you just see a poc against poc it's just like right. yo what are you doing bro right. like, that 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 infuriated me so much because yeah. already like i as much as i you know i claim to know about black culture because of like my upbringing like there's still facets that like, i have no idea about right you know, there's some things i like my encounters with the police growing up though they were shitty you know it's like yeah. nowhere near as extreme as like what black folks have to endure you know
1: every day it's terrifying
0: yeah and so and already living in america if you're not aware of the repercussions of what happens when you call the cops on black americans then you are just as oblivious as all these fucking racists who who also think the same thing you know
1: right right and And
0: yeah that was just
1: that video ended with uh two women that were sitting at another picnic table saying hey why don't you guys move we'll we'll come sit down next to them Mm -hmm. like it's that big of a problem but yeah it's the videos are endless and it's a hard um balance trying to stay informed constantly and not wanting to see it because it's too much and it's overwhelming and it's like you know what do you do in that sense but you also want to stay aware so you yeah. don't want to be oblivious to what's going on, but at the same time, it's like you're, we're we're upset every day and we're angry every day because we're seeing what's going on, mm-hmm. but we can't walk around like it's not happening.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's like something we have to also come to terms with is that we're also human, you know. It's like right. we're in this new age of information where it's like everything is at our at our disposal now. <laughs> you know? Like literally anything you want to look up, right? You can find on your phone.
1: Yeah. When we were kids, we had what encyclopedias, or we had to ask someone. <laughs> We have to wait for the dial up internet to search what we were looking for.
0: The fucking the long ass
1: dee, dee, dee,
0: <laughs> like, oh my God. Just a struggle before. Right. You know? And
1: I think that the phone, like your phone wouldn't work as long as you were on the internet back in the day. You know, <laughs> the oh dial-up. my god.
0: I forgot about that. Yeah. My mom my mom used to get so mad at me because I got the internet for like an hour. She'd be like, I've been needing to make a call for the last hour. You've just been hogging everything. I'm just like Shit, my bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and times seem, man, they seem more simpler. Like I tell my parents all the time, like y'all could have never prepared us for this. I mean, you, 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 um, you raised us, you taught us well, you made us aware of X, Y, Z, but no one could have ever prepared us for what's going on right now. And it just seems like the world is just getting crazier, divided, with forty-five in office and trying to win a reelection. Everybody's <sighs> just
0: you know that 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 right there is one of the most discouraging things about living in America. You know, yeah. like, like you would think after the Obama era that we'd be a little more, right. oh, you know, aware and woken up about like what we need in, in office. You know, like granted, like Obama didn't do everything that he set out to do because like that's just the way the political structure is. You know, but right. the the backlash. From having forty-five in office, and then yeah. now, like at this point, it's like between forty-five and Biden. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> dude! Like
1: forty-five, Biden, and Kanye, right?
0: Oh my god, and Kanye! <laughs> this, is like, this is like,
1: definitely a joke. We're living in the twilight zone, for real.
0: I've been seeing Kanye get a lot of backlash too about trying to run and shit. Yeah,
1: so. and I mean, who knows if he's taking that seriously or if it's just a tweet that he put out but i mean we know the divisiveness in his actions and, and and why he's deciding to run and what the bigger picture is and you know how a vote for kanye is a vote for 45 so absolutely not
0: isn't that crazy though to think yeah. like man because uh i grew up listening to kanye you know like he yeah he came out when i was in high school and like that was like the soundtrack of my high school years yeah you know, like college dropout and late registration were just like everything I listened to. Like I even got my mom listening to Kanye Like that's how much we loved him. we loved his music, you know? Yeah. And then to see it now, it's just like, yo, like what what the fuck happened? Yo? Like,
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, it's like
2: exactly.
0: it, like from what I think about his music back then and how empowering it was to the black voice and just like how how he brought up so many people with him. And then to see what, what he's doing now, it's, like, you know, it's, I, I can't even really put into words, like, what, I, sometimes I think, like, maybe it's because he lost his mom, and, like, that's that's a really traumatic event, you know, I, I have experience with that myself, and I know that, like, losing your parent can be one of the most detrimental things to your life, but right. I, I never imagined it push someone so off the wall, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like he's probably you know, you, you you never get over um the death of a parent. And I just think he's he's just had a hard time, you know, dealing with life since then. And he's trying to make the best of it, you know, has a whole family and a huge following. And yeah, like I don't I don't know what's led him to this, you know, at this point, but definitely the, the old Kanye, he's definitely a different man now.
0: Yeah, straight up. Um, man, it's just the the time. The times right now are just so are so stressful. You know, right. I, I feel like we're like you. I think we were talking this, about this before we started recording. But you know, this whole movement that is going on right now—it's not a sprint. You know, it's a marathon. Right. So it's important right. that we take our time and that we you know really make take, care ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. take care of ourselves and and stay educated and. And and build healthy circles, you know, that you can confide in and that you can be encouraged by. Because, man, just having the thought of wanting to go outside and do normal, simple, everyday things that you would think you can do. But to know that, you know, white supremacy is out there, especially in Portland. There's been so many incidents that have taken place over the last couple of weeks um where black people specifically have been targeted i don't know if you saw uh what i posted the other day um what is her name she has a t-shirt um business did you see the the letter and i don't know if it was left on her residence or where it was left but um threatening letter
0: oh no what happened
1: let me see and i'll i'll send it to you
0: for sure yeah yeah
1: I'll send you that because um, white supremacy, you know, forever. Intimidating factors in everything that they try to do in order to stop movements from taking place, in order to stop the mission from going forward. Um, Yeah, they're out there. So like I said, just being able to go out and go about your normal business and fight for what you know is right, but being targeted and attacked in this way
0: i feel like it's so oh man it's just it's it's becoming more eye-opening as like the days go by especially living here in the city you know like i feel like we when we first got, I'm, I'm sure it was like this for you as it was for me like when we first got to portland it's like damn portland's portland's dope you know like there's so, yeah. much, there's so much you could do here like there's so much opportunity and this and that and then as like you progress through your time here it's just like did you realize like damn like the city city really was built for white people you know like the state really built for white people and like how they they have this sense of control over everything Mm -hmm. you know I don't know if you know right now but like the the restaurant industry in Portland is going through a crazy change right now where it's like a lot of uh, white owned businesses are getting called out for their bullshit and it's just like it's all over like this is something that's also happening within like the social justice realm where it's like businesses are being called out for either appropriating or for uh, like past sexual misconduct and all this. Wow. Cra- yeah, it's crazy.
1: I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen any, like any postings or articles about that.
0: Yeah, i some stuff. It's besides like,
1: businesses receiving, um, you know, loans and applying for loans when other smaller, like mom and pop organizations really needed it and didn't get it. Mm-hmm that's what I see I've seen more of
0: yeah I'm, I'm a testament to that you know like we didn't get shit from all this government support but yeah. all these white-owned businesses are doing just fine you know right I did right. know some POC businesses that did receive some government assistance you know but they're like they're like on a more larger scale uh, yeah. bigger operation you know yeah but-
1: so like how like how are you guys doing how have you guys maintained during this time because I know we support you guys all the time and you guys always I know you guys are busy but how have you guys been handling it
0: uh, first off we straight up love you for always supporting us like, even <laughs> we were
1: at your food this morning like man that looks good what are we eating later
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it's been like a year since we've uh, we, we first connected so you know, yeah. the fact that it's been going on this long and you still support like we we tremendously love you for that you know it's like we always look to you as as one of our biggest support systems um, we've been doing fine you know like uh myself like I've been going through this identity change you know like when we first met you know I was pushing this narrative of like Vietnamese soul food you know and like uh I wanted to tap into what I considered the Vietnamese version of like a home-cooked meal and, and all these little facets and stuff and then I went to Vietnam recently and like it really fucked me up you know like it uh it changed my whole identity essentially you know like it made me realize that I'm more American than I realize you know like even right now, you and I are having this conversation in English, right? Which is like my dominant language. Like when I was in Vietnam, and I try to have a conversation with someone, my yeah. Vietnamese is such ass, like. <laughs> and you know, it's like because we we're born and raised here, right? So it's like already there's a disconnect from from the motherland. And so right. when I came back from Vietnam after just being essentially put in check, like <clears throat> I've been trying to rebrand and recreate like what it is, like what matzah really is, you know? Yeah. So. I think in the midst of all that, like people have have been really receptive to it. You know, like I started this thing called uh, the Viet Q series, and um, Viet Q means foreign-born Vietnamese.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Essentially, like you know, any Vietnamese person is born outside of Vietnam, and just creating a menu that's kind of based on that. You know, like uh, trying to figure out how how more I can, how much more I can tap into my American side and, gotcha. and push out dishes that reflect more of that that upbringing, as opposed to just like me being the vietnamese guy you know like
3: uh-huh.
0: i think that's also something i learned <clears throat> from being out here was just that uh once you embark on a certain journey as a poc you're kind of marginalized already you know <laughs> like i was kept in this box of like just being like the vietnamese soul food guy and, and i've actually been different. i've been actually thinking about like what that term actually means to me now you know mm-hmm. like uh, when i first started up and I was pushing that, that phrase, it felt like, um, it almost felt like I was pushing like traditional Vietnamese food, you know? Mm. And um, I think you- that, was like, that was like a false, a false narrative,
1: okay.
0: you know? like Because then I would have like Vietnamese folks come to the cart and then tell me like, there's nothing traditional about your food. And then, at first, like, you know, that offended me because I, 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 in my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm pretty fucking traditional. I grew up in a Vietnamese home, you know, but then...
1: Okay. and it's your, like, your perspective of what that tradition is to you.
0: Yeah, because tradition comes from the home. It doesn't come from everywhere, you know? It's right. like, it's not based on cultural tradition. Tradition is based on what you grew up with and especially within your own home, you know? But because I was, like, pushing this this phrase, Vietnamese soul Foods, um... I think it led to this connotation that I was making like a traditional type of food. You okay. When inherently it's just not me, you know. So I've been considering like rebranding it, you know, um just because it doesn't feel as authentic to me anymore, especially after me getting punked in Vietnam, you know, so it's like <laughs> But I, I don't mind it, you know, I feel like already as human beings we had to be willing to get checks, you know? Okay. And actually something I've been doing lately is I've been wanting to be more proactive with um, how I carry out my brand, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, like that phrase didn't mean soul food. I understand that like soul food in America is looked at as the Black American cuisine. Right. Um, and I actually got called out by the Asian community for using that phrase. And I thought that was... For using soul food? Yeah, because I was, they said that I was appropriating a phrase. But I was confused because I've never had anything on my menu that reflects, you know, what you consider soul food, you know? Right. Like, I don't make anything within that realm. And so for me to get called out yeah. for that and then to be called out by the Asian community, I was just like, this is this is an odd feeling, you know? like.
1: And were you only called out by the Asian community?
0: Yeah, you know, like that was the thing. It was just like, like I've worked with you and I've, and I've met, you know, numerous uh, black is From being at the food cart You know I've had black customers And all this stuff And No one's ever said anything to me So I thought that was really I, I got side blinded by that You know And um, But I, I was already having this conversation About Rebranding as it was yeah. It's kind of like Helped solidify it for me You know It's just like Not necessarily because I feel any kind of guilt But because Weird. I'm putting I've put myself into this This box Essentially You know Like Where I'm looked at as like a comfort food spot, which I do make comfort food. I'm not going to knock that, you know, yeah. but that confines me to only being able to make that as opposed to, I mean, the beauty the beauty of like food itself is that it's an art form. So right. I don't want to confine myself to just one thing. I'm not going to try to appropriate anything, obviously, right. you know, but I want to try to expand further into like my own self and my own identity. Like right. that's what the you thing was for, you know?
1: Right. Wow. Well, that's what I'm- i yeah, it's been a lot. I never would have thought, you know, that you would be called out for that, because the like, like you said, food is an art form, and it is what you make it, and it's your spin on it. And so, food is a comfort. So, food is a comfort thing. So, if that's what you want it to be called, so like ideally, um, what would like the ideal menu look? What, what would that look like for you?
0: Uh. You know, it's
1: certain days
0: only. Uh, no, I mean, like, so lately, like, what I've been doing is I'll revert back to, like, my American upbringing, you know, like, with my mom. Right? Like, like, my mom was, uh, something that happened in Vietnam was that, like, I went to my mom's hometown.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, I, that was, like, the worst part of my trip. Because that's where I got checked the hardest, you know, because um, it's a different part of Vietnam. And so the, the dialect is already very unique like the way they speak Vietnamese isn't how I learned Vietnamese especially living here in America because in America it's a lot of southern Vietnamese and so that's the type of Vietnamese I learned how to speak so when I got to Hue where my mom is from like the the language already was hard for me to understand and then as I was like on that trip I realized that like my mom left Vietnam when she was an adolescent so she was like 11 12 when she got to the states, she was already like 12 13 And she lived 40, 40 something years in the right. States, you know? So already there was like, I realized that I went to my mom's hometown. I, you know, I wanted to go just to like get a feel for it and at least experience it. But then right. I realized that like my mom grew up in America, you know? Right. Like, she, like that 40 something years is older yeah. than I am now, you know? So it's right. like already there, it's like, oh, she, she's just as much american as i am and that's why like we grew up eating the kfc and mcdonald's and all this stuff you know so that makes sense so my menu's been kind of like kind of dialing into that It's like I, I made a filet fish last week you know i've done what? i've done like vfc which is like Vietnamese
1: fried chicken. yeah oh wait i'm looking at it right now yeah you did post it
0: <laughs> yeah and like just like i wanted to tap into my youth you know like yeah. I feel like that's something that we've kind of all disregarded in terms of, like, as being first-generation Americans, especially as Asian Americans, is that, like, yeah. we, we're we trying so hard to, like, connect back to what we feel is our Asian identity, you know, without acknowledging the fact that, yo, like, <laughs> we all speak English, fam, like, right. deal, you know? <laughs> like we, we are as American as, like, as right.
2: you know, exactly
0: so to remove ourselves from that conversation to remove ourselves from that ideology is almost it's false you know like and that's what i'm trying to tap into more is that like because for a lot of a lot of asian americans like we're all first generation americans and so Mm uh with exception to like chinese and japanese you know so it's it's important that we we acknowledge that part of ourselves you know like because then that helps us connect further to the people that we actually live in the country with right absolutely like, I've been able to connect with folks like you and everybody that I met here in Portland because of the way that I interpret my food. Like, right. from the beginning, matta was always, like, Vietnamese food done through an American lens, you know? Yeah. I've always said that. And that's why, like, when people come and look at me for, like, traditional food, I'm like, yo, son, I'm not that guy, like, I'm not <laughs> the not me. I'm not the one, you know? is like, right. what it is. And it's okay. Like, I, I don't mind, like, not being that guy because there's plenty of other places that you can go and get that, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, so just, you know, it's a, it's been, it's been an interesting journey, you know, like since yeah. we first met, and uh, I definitely, I definitely don't regret anything, you know, like I feel like we're, as a brand, we're still growing, but we're still trying yeah. to figure out what we want to do ultimately, you know, but um, yeah, I just, I, I fucking, I just, I love the idea that like we can take something as simple as like food and then connect to people you know like the fact right. that I, I got to connect with you
2: in the, yeah.
0: in the midst of like creating a brand and shit was just already dope as it was and then to be a part of your event and like have this uh reciprocation of love you know like there's this one lady that was there i think it was uh, i think it was viana's mom or something or auntie who's mom uh is it Vianna, Nina. She, she was like a. She was a rapper.
1: Oh, uh, Ravina.
0: Yeah, and I think it was like her mom or her auntie or something. Huh. She came up to me. She's just like, I like. I like what you do. I really. I respect what you do because you were speaking from the soul. Like you were speaking from home, and 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 I appreciate that. And I and I remember just thinking like, I want to give her a fucking fat ass hug, like just because, <laughs> like. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's strange, you know? Cause like growing up as like a Vietnamese dude, who I, like, I'm, I'm not gonna front, I was infatuated with, with black culture growing up, you know? Like I, I was essentially raised on black and brown culture, you know, like yeah. I grew up in the east side of San Jose. So I, I lived with like, I lived amongst like Hispanic neighborhoods. But then yeah. I was in the crib watching like BET. And right. like, you know, <laughs> I do, I love, I love like Big Ticket in the basement, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: You know what I'm saying, like shit like that, where it's like he was just playing raw rap videos all day long. Like if I was at home from school, I was watching Big That's Ticket cool. in the basement. Yeah.
2: Or on 106 Park.
0: 106 and Park and like uh just like all. You know what was the funniest thing to me though, growing up with 106 Park, was that uh they brought NSYNC on. <laughs> I, was like, yes. I was like, yes. Wait a minute, what the fuck's happening here, bro? <laughs> I thought y'all supposed to be showcasing black black artists. You know what I
1: mean? No, they brought who else? They would bring on a lot of people, but I know Justin Timberlake would be on there, you know, well after into his solo career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seemed definitely. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that show was always funny to me. But yeah, like uh, I just you know I just feel like that's so that's so inherent in like the the eight or not even the Asian like the American experience. You know, is that like we have. We have access to so much just being here in America, you know. Like, um, like my love for hip hop is essentially because I grew up here, you know. And like, I remember I had a conversation with my—I was getting a tattoo in Vietnam, and uh, the artist, like, he asked me if I listened to hip hop. I, I was oh bro, you don't know. Like, that's all I listen to, you know. And then he was, uh, he was like asking, like, oh, who do you listen to? And I was saying stuff like, like Isaiah Rashad, uh, JID fucking, like, Smino, all these different artists, you know? And then he was like, I don't know any what? of those artists. Is like, who? And then you just, and then it made me realize that, like, already in America, like, the access that we have to artists and music, and just, especially within the genre of hip-hop, right? It's like, yeah. we have all the access. We know we know so many artists that.
2: Right.
0: Because, especially if you're really into it, you know, it's like, I, I could drop, like, a whole fucking laundry list of yeah. names. Yeah. You know? And Homie didn't even know who I was talking about, any of them, you know? And like, yeah. they only know like Aesop Rocky well, or- Right,
1: the mainstream folks. It.
0: Yeah, and so, um, already there, it's just like, we we have to just acknowledge that, I think. And, right. Like you know, a big part of it, you know, and so.
1: Yeah, mu- music for me, even at 34, how old am I, 34? Yeah, 34, I'm still, because I'm so stuck in high school and college like I love all the 90s you know R&B all the 90s hip hop I love new stuff yes like it, a lot of it's catchy and it feels good but a lot of the things you know that we grew up listening to the lyricists had meaning not saying uh, current music doesn't have but it's, it's so nostalgic and it just reminds me of maybe happier times when we weren't always quite aware of what you know what it was like to be an adult so listening to that music but trying to navigate this space now like it takes on a different meaning like I hear things I've never heard before so yeah a lot of the the new artists are dope but I could go you know the rest of my life listening to records from 97 and be fine
0: yeah straight up so who are are some like 90s artists that you constantly have in your rotation
1: definitely a fan of girl groups so the escapes um, SWV Mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of um, uh, D'Angelo. Still a huge fan of D'Angelo, um, but more of those like soft neo soul type vibes. Uh, the Jill Scotts, the India Aries, mm-hmm. um, you know, like all of the, all of the boy bands and boy groups, the NSYNCs, the Backstreet Boys, things like that okay. that we listened to in high school. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was just it was fun. It just like I said, just reminding you of just a fun time and.
0: Yeah um, I, I definitely I definitely feel like The 90s era of music was, Especially like the, some of the artists that you listed Like Jill Scott and India Arby, like They were so conscious about Their own experience And right. also like what was happening In the world you know So they, they put right. that into their music
2: Right.
0: And I feel like that's almost like a filter for us For listening to music now You know Yeah, to, yeah like uh, the other day I just I went into the track called Quest station or not even station just like the artist page on Spotify and that's all I listened to all day long yeah and it like essentially made me remember just like how much I love that 90s era of hip hop oh,
2: yeah how,
0: how how important it was because they were bringing up so many so many things that we that are still happening today you know like right so bringing up like police brutality they bring up you know uh how how it is to live in the hood right and and how it is to to grow up as a marginalized person and all these things and then like i listen to music now and like some artists now they just it's just like regurgitated bullshit you know exactly and so same beat all trap drums you know
2: exactly
0: you know it's just like I, I get it, you know, I, I do I do appreciate, like, this new generation of, of production, you know? But, yeah. like you said, like, lyricism and, like, yeah. who who is really putting content out there that is speaking amongst, like, people who are trying to be woke, you know, like, who are trying to be more aware of what's happening in the world, and so...
1: What are you remembering 20 years, you know, or still playing 20 years, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that song, but no, what are you still playing, you know, 20 years from now? Yeah, Tribe Call Quest, definitely
0: yeah plus like i grew up with jazz you know like my, oh, yeah. my my mom put me on jazz when i was really young like uh some a song that reminds me of my mom every time is uh and rose from Louis armstrong and like i almost i almost get teary-eyed every time i listen to that song just because it reminds me of my mom so much you know and like yeah, I can't that,
2: imagine
0: yeah it's just like that that song and just the way that he plays the horns in it it's Perfect. like it just hits you right in the fucking soul. Like there's no other way to put it, you know?
1: And you remember where you were like the first time you heard that song too. Yeah,
0: it's, yeah. It, it's a shitty little single bed in my, <laughs> in my grandma's room. <laughs> like, cause we used to, cause my, uh, I remember, I think I was like, uh, I was, I want to say I was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And my mom was living with my grandma and uh, shared a room which was like already really odd as a you know as a grown woman to be sharing a room with her mom but that's just how that's how that's, that's uh, how
2: it
0: in, was you know immigrant houses that's how it is you know and so i just remember being in my mom slash grandma's room and hanging out with my grandma and then my mom uh turned on her music and then went out to go cook cook food or something and then that sound came on and i was just hanging out in the room listening yeah. to it and then my mom walks back in and she notices me just like sitting there just like yeah. enjoying the music she's like oh you like this song yes like that that's like a very fond memory for me you know it's like and that's the beautiful thing about music music yeah and like something like jazz Yeah. It's
2: like, yeah.
0: it just connects on so many different levels you know and I, and I think like you know this whole time we've been talking about like mental health and like how we uh, find therapy for ourselves. Like I feel like music is one of those most is the most therapeutic things. You know, like, like I don't know what it's gonna be like moving forward in terms of like going to a show or going to a venue or something. Right. The whole pandemic and shit. But I definitely miss that feeling of like being in like a jazz club, right? You know, like
1: or open I air, mean, anything, just being able to chill out.
0: Yeah, um, it's just it's a lot. You know, it's a lot to take in in these times, um, yeah. especially moving forward and seeing how places are going to reopen like you know we're in the middle of the reopening now but it was just announced that we're not, we're not going to phase two because there's been a spike in cases again you know and so
1: in in motonoma county specifically or
0: just as in oregon as a whole because everything's been reopening you know yeah. and like uh it's just it's crazy because i don't think we even we even finished the first spike
1: Right, and it's confusing, and I, I really, it's hard to keep up with the different counties because I know here in Washington County, places are open and people are sitting down, but I don't think they're doing that in Multnomah, or are they?
0: Um, I mean, there's definitely spots that are open that you can sit down in, and it's really weird. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, I get really, it's, see, like, this whole thing is just, like, on top of, you know, trying to push for, you know, civil rights and everything. Right we're also looking at like the anxiety of just being around people again exactly
1: yeah like,
0: the protest thing is like I, I feel like people had to protest like this yeah. that was that's the number one you know like but the fear i had of the protest was the spikes of cases again right
2: you
1: know? right
0: you can't control you can't control you know a thousand people that are in a group
1: right um, marching together
0: because that's already That's a powerful thing already yeah. But then, but it, of course, it would happen in a time where like you could catch a disease, and right? Get potentially really sick from it, and then right. it's just there's so many conspiracies that I have about this whole fucking thing, you yeah. know? That's why um, like
1: we're fighting two pandemics.
0: Yeah, we're straight up fighting Racism, two pandemics.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: I love that. I love that. We're fighting two pandemics. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that to other people when I speak with them, like, because that's a real feeling, you know? It's like. We're we're trying to change the narrative of what it right. looks like and then we're also trying to stay alive. It's right. Like multifaceted survival.
1: So yeah, when you talk about the anxiety, it's definitely real. It's it was heightened a lot at first in the beginning when we didn't really know where the virus was coming from and who could get it because there was so much misinformation that was going out there. And now, you know, with people not wanting to wear a mask and coughing on people and spitting on people, um, it's it's mind-blowing how selfish and ignorant people are being just period like i just feel like everyone has been coming out of you know wherever they've been and they're spewing hate and they're spewing um you know they're just showing their true colors
3: mm-hmm. so you
1: have you know people like us that are really trying to do things right and be safe and keep other people is yeah the anxiety is definitely there
0: yeah, I know, it's like, you're starting to, like, you know, we're talking about privilege, right? It's just like, privileges are really starting to show, especially in these times. Yeah. Like, the Karen Uprise is crazy, yeah. and then, like, the, it's just like the, the audacity of people to be like, you are, you're uh, impeding on my right to not exactly. wear a mask. It's like,
1: exactly. so... Come on.
0: Come on.
1: And <laughs> uh, I it not, I try not to say things like you know, how much worse can it get because I know things can get worse. But at this point it's like everybody is losing their shit. Everybody's losing it. You know, where where does the end come in this? When do people start to realize and wake up like you no, know, like we need to do this. Other countries have way, you know, been open for a long time. And meanwhile, we're going back and forth closing and opening
0: so yeah like i I heard that vietnam uh has been back in rotation or just back in in regular lifestyle for like three months now
1: and and they're fine
0: and they're fine like people going out to eat because you know what a culture is in in asia that i learned was that like um if you are if you're feeling any kind of sick Mm -hmm. wear, wear a mask like right. even if you have like a cold, wear a mask, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. the mask culture is already there.
1: Right. Know? It's definitely not here. And yeah. we have been about the mass culture a long time ago.
0: It's like there's a reason why other countries are doing are doing okay. It's because right. they're willing to fucking listen and right. like, All
1: right. be still for months and not cheat the system and not, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because as Americans, and I can definitely attest to this is that we feel entitled to so many things, you know. Right. Like, right. even yeah. Yeah, even myself it's like you know there's a certain level of entitlement that I carry because I was born and raised here you know like you're a product you're, of your environment um, but also just being mindful of like how you express that entitlement is very important you know right. so we'll just go off the fucking rails and just right. all this entitlement at people as if like they deserve everything that they want it's just like nah fam that's not how that shit works not nah, how that shit works, bro.
1: And I'm telling you, that that alone just makes you just want to stay in your own circle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In, in in your own bubble and just kind of just do your own thing, but you can't live that way.
2: Yeah, right. I feel that. Be
1: involved in the type of work that we do, it revolves being around people constantly. So.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you,
1: um,
0: because I mean, like this whole conversation that we've had has been it's been super eye-opening, you know, like and I appreciate you for that of course. Um, But as a as where I stand, you know, like and I've, I've been talking to my wife about this, too Is that like in the midst of all this I feel kind of lost, you know, I feel kind of lost in like where Where my help can be utilized, you know, right? Um, so I wanted to ask you like from an African-American to an Asian-American. Like, what is something that you would look for out of our community to then help support this movement further?
1: I would just say cohesiveness. Like, that's, that's the main thing in understanding um, from anyone that wants to be more involved or just be aware. It's just understanding, you know, the mindset or trying to understand the mindset and the mentality of what Black people, Black Americans are facing right now and there there's so many people that still try to divide black and brown um, by posting certain videos that you know categorize a small number of immature I know you've seen it immature kids that are you know attacking um, the older generation that's um, just trying to make a living there those are there are those pockets of people and then there are the people that really just want togetherness and really just want to be able to um like like I always say break bread with one another physically and um mentally that's that's one thing when I say just being open to all perspectives and being inclusive having a listening ear and, a, and an open heart to what we're facing right now that's that's the one thing in being able to you know stop and talk to people who have that different perspective, not necessarily changing the mind, but offering a different, no, this is what this means. It's kind of like Black Lives Matter versus all lives matter. And, you know, that whole narrative that people try to turn on us just because we're saying, hey, we're equal to, Not saying that we're above you, but we want equality too. We want equal rights as well. So that's, I would say that's the main thing, is just cohesiveness
0: that's a big one I, you know what and I appreciate you for letting me know that because I think that the all lives matter thing is one of the stupidest fucking things I've probably heard in my adult life because yeah. I mean if black lives don't matter then how can everyone else's lives matter right but right that's the ultimate issue is that like cause as as an Asian American I have to acknowledge the fact that I wouldn't be able to be here I wouldn't have been born here if it wasn't for uh civil rights you know like there was no way that i could like my family would be able to have moved here to have moved here from vietnam if it hadn't been for civil rights right so already in that conversation it's just like how can you how can you say a thing like all lives matter or that asian lives matter or whatever it is and not acknowledge the fact that if it wasn't for black people that were brought here not of their own accord right as a slavery and that they fought for their rights. Like, how can you not acknowledge that? How right. can you not have right. that conversation? You know. Well,
1: according to all lives matter folks, you know that's not their history. And so everything that's going on now, uh, where you know statues are being torn down or people are you know being removed from office, like 45 says it all the time. They're trying to remove our history or the history of the United States. But the history of the United States is not our history. It's not everyone's history it's a history that was built on oppression, that was built on slavery, that was built on, you know, XYZ. So, when you say that they're trying to remove our heritage and our history, and, you know, you stand for the flag and you do all of these things, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, uh, so Sophia told me um, the other day that she-, she remembered when she was like a, a kid in school, mm-hmm. and in class they talked about how in '94, Mississippi just stopped lynching people. Yeah, and I was just like, I was five when that shit right. got abolished. You know, like that—that that tells you already how much, like, how um, fucked up this country really is, right? It's just like
1: that was—that was the last, you know, reported lynching. Because if you ask anyone, lynching is still taking place to this day.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, when did that ever? And it, it, it ended it ended on record according to the school books. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, but see like that's also another problem is that like what we're taught in school is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. You know, they and that's like this is this has been an ongoing conversation is just like the white hero, right. Like right. George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and all this right. stuff. it's like all these dudes own slaves.
1: Yeah, and that's a repetitive narrative that is shared even to this day. Mm. it's like my parents they had to do their own homework with us and you know my nephews and nieces that are grown up and little cousins like I have to do that same homework with them because they're not learning it in their schools they have to learn it from their family like it's, it's on us in this generation to instill those same values that our parents and our elders taught us
0: yeah, and then it actually makes you question the education system as a whole. Period. Especially like public schooling, right? It's like, right. like the information that's given out to public schools. It's like because a lot of a lot of us are just taught to like abide and just put our heads down and, and learn that's whatever. What we mean, keep going. Like, be education forward and shit. You know, um, we just take whatever information is given to us like that, and we just uh, we take it in without even really questioning it. You know,
1: right? And look at how they're treating school now where they're wanting to send kids back in the fall and the fall is literally next month for a lot of school districts I believe it's August 10th is the first day for a lot of schools and everyone, not everyone, but 45 wants to send kids back to school in the fall and just put their responsibility on the teachers where the teachers are already overworked so now you're putting a whole pandemic on the teachers that have to monitor you know keeping the kids healthy keeping themselves healthy coming back every day and teaching kids under these conditions they're they're telling us how they you know how they feel about the american people and children specifically
0: yeah like um already to put kids back in school is already a dangerous situation yeah and then even like adding on top of that like i learned in um I read this book back in high school called Food Incorporated and uh, it talks about like the food that is served in schools you know mm-hmm. and, like we you know we idolize or not idolize, but we, like we put kids on a pedestal right like they're the future they're they're the next generation we need to raise them right and all this stuff but even like when it comes down to like something as like their diet right mm-hmm. like the quality of food that was given into schools was less than what Taco Bell was getting wow and you already think about that, right? And yeah. like, in this in this day and age, like diet is a very big proponent of like how you go about your everyday life. You know, yeah. it's like what you put into your body is what the, is the energy you put out.
3: Right. You
0: know? And so you think about like if you're feeding kids a bunch of shit and like stuff that has no real nutritional value, then those kids will nef- not not only be um, like malnourished, not like, uh, not malnourished, but um, uh, improperly uh, given nutrients. Right. But then their mental processing of things will be skewed because they're not really getting the the nutrients they actually need, you know? Right. There's no stimulation of like the brain at that point, you know? So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to, to fix, you know, a lot to do. And I think that BLM is a is a really good start you know i think we're we're on the path to something great you know as long as like the moment momentum keeps up and like like right. you said it's not a it's not a fucking sprint it's a marathon you know right. so we have to all take the time and and i really appreciate what you said about like the cohesiveness and like as um as an asian american to just be able to listen you know and that's something that i to like learn it's just like you can't always provide a solution, you know?
1: Right. And that's what I've always said about our events too. They are not solution based because we still have to live this life the next day and things are going to happen. It's just, it's a continuous conversation. It's continuous education. And when I say the cohesiveness, like we're, like I said, we're all fighting the same struggles. So why will we not want to understand each other's struggles? Like yeah. why would we? Why would we work that much harder against each other as Black and Brown people, when we're we're fighting the same fight?
0: Yeah, that's and that's something that like I feel, I feel like is now becoming more aware in these times. You know, I think like the the POC experience is now becoming like an all around feeling where where people can all understand this a little better. You know, like
1: yeah,
0: I, yeah. Like it's not necessarily like um it's like us against the whites you know but it's like to come together and then share right. those experiences like how we've how we've experienced it as it is and then being able to convey that as a group to white people
1: right everybody like, against racist
0: yeah so now it's like we're we're not necessarily coming at you crazy we're just coming at you with raw energy as, exactly. a, as a group you know it's just like this is not like, This is not a one-time thing. This is like an all-around experience that we all have, and we're now all voicing it.
1: Right. But it's been the same energy for how many years, and that's why I I hope that we'll be able to see significant change in our lifetimes. But we're really fighting this fight for our kids and our grandkids. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's that's something that I've I've thought about. Is like because actually Soph, Soph and I talk about like not having kids because yeah. we don't want to take on the responsibility because I'm not going to lie I'm pretty selfish in the fact that I like my life and I don't want to raise a child you know but um, I think about like the ongoing generations you know it's like like obviously in our generation we're not really going to see the full result of the work that we're doing now you
2: know? right. yeah.
0: but if you think about like if you're passing on that lineage that legacy and then the next generation carries it over again like that's just continually pushing it on forward yeah
1: yeah that's true but I think it's crazy that our, our grandparents you know fought this fight for us and still like we still have years to fight this fight for the next so it's just it's a cycle and like I said it's it's really a time to take a lot of self-care because it will just continue to eat at you and eat away at you mentally until it breaks. And, you know, a lot lot of people are breaking. Like I said, a lot of people are suffering in the moment because it's so much to take on. Aside from everything else that's going on in the world, aside from being able to put food on the table and, and just being able to survive, there's so many pandemics to fight right now.
0: Yeah, and it's just funny that this pandemic, like, you know, a lot of POCs are the are blue-collar folk, right? So they have to be, they're essentially, they're really essential workers, you know? Yeah. So of course, <clears throat> our demographic is going to be the most affected by this because we have to be out there. You know? Right. We have to be out on the front line. Right. Continually okay. keeping up this economy. Right. And then what happens? Like, you know, we put ourselves at risk the most. Right. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. So, so crazy. But uh, <laughs> I gotta tell you, uh, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you have like having you as a friend and that someone that I can like confide in with these yeah. with these things. You know, like uh, hey. it's a it's a beautiful thing to have a circle where you can reach out to someone and right. really talk, talk them, some real shit you know yeah. he, especially right now like what we're talking about you know like like how you reach out to friends and family every day to make sure everyone's good like that's that should be something that we all do on a regular basis you know
1: and you so, have to you have to that's like that accountability piece that you have to check in like i'd rather check on you now every day than you no longer you know be here I'd rather, you know, be that annoying friend that wants to know how you're doing. Hey, you know, let's FaceTime or let's Zoom. Let's, you know, let's meet up because, yeah, I, I just, it, it it serves a purpose for me too, but in, in checking on others, it just, it helps, it helps you as an individual through a lot more than what you, what you experience. So that's one thing. And we're always happy to see you guys. <laughs> we're always happy to support you guys and, in every way
0: yeah straight up and we always are going to appreciate you for that um is there anything else you want to add to this conversation before you wrap up
1: um i think we covered a lot i think we can talk more about um offline music and stuff like that because you you know you mentioned jazz and my grandmother that's all she listened to and even though so i lived on the same block as my grandmother she stayed literally two apartment buildings down so I was always at my grandmother's house. She was always playing jazz. She was always cooking. She kind of just showed me the ropes. So when you mentioned jazz, that's one thing that I love to listen to because it reminds me of her. Every time I hear that, it puts me in a different mood. So I can definitely, definitely relate to that.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I feel like jazz in itself is one of those uh, music art forms where it came from I think it was like the original Black experience, right? Like, jazz came from uh, from Black Americans, and I think already there it kind of tells you the power that. And I'm not even gonna downplay this, like the the real power that Black people have, especially on emotion. You know, like every time I listen to jazz, especially if it's like Miles Davis or if it's like um, John Coltrane and any of these dudes, like. <clears throat> it sends me into like this. It almost feels like I'm sitting at a jazz club. Yeah. Just like in a dark room, it's kind of yeah. hazy, you know. Right. And like, I love that feeling, right? And there's yeah. like, it's like th- there's no other way to really explain it. But like, just already, like the, especially when you hear like brass and like the way the horns hit you, like just just being able to feel that from an instrument, from an individual playing it, kind of tells you like the the power that uh, that Black folks really have, you know? Yeah. And then you translate that into everything else that's happened with, within like Black culture, you know? Like, um, the power of hip hop in itself is one of the most amazing things to watch, right? How influential it is now in the world. Yeah. And that, that is like the biggest form of music, and that was created from Black and brown culture, you know?
1: Right. And, and definitely so, jazz and the whole blues era, um, yeah, that was one thing that was a huge part of a huge part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. That was um, dope, though. I thank you for for inviting me on the podcast and just chopping it up
0: honestly like I just wanted to have anybody that I thought was a dope person just to be on the shit and you're definitely one, <laughs> you're definitely on that list you know like every time you come by I get stoked you know every time you and your girl come by I'm like yeah like
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> the hummies, You know?
2: it's all love it's all family
0: yeah and I appreciate you
2: that's I, all we're about
0: thank you so much and yo know, thank you so much for being on the pod like I think what you have to offer is incredible you know and so I hope you I mean, I'm sure you realize that, and and that's why you started woke, you know. <laughs>
3: yeah. I'm
0: I'm glad to have you on this platform so that we could we could talk, you know, and that we could really um, share your story. You know, I want I want people to know about woke. I want people to know about what you do and the kind of awareness that you brought, like the awareness that you brought from me just from you know being in that one event and then just keeping up with what you guys do after that. It's like it, it already speaks levels to what you do, you know. And so I'm, we, I'm really.
1: We definitely appreciate it. Um, If, yeah, so we're on Instagram at wokepdx.